Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This episode with uh, Jimmy Estrich III is his origin story. So enjoy the time with him. Thank you, sponsors. Top Spinini Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, and Comsey.com and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's the uh, interview with uh, Jimmy. We have uh, a few things in common, and we, we got started out on uh, the fact that we're both the third and have great dads and grandfathers. So here it is. I do men's dinners, my back house where I have my cards and stuff. Yeah. I do the hobby dinners once a year uh, for vintage and modern. That's a lot of fun. But yeah. other months I do other things. And one of the months I did a dinner, all guys, I called it Jim, Jimmy James. You were not invited unless your name was Jim. James, Jimmy. There were 10 <laughs> Jims, three Jimmys, and two Jameses. So most of them are Jim. That's uh, awesome. No one had any problem with remembering the names. <laughs> I was going to say, right? You probably got a lot of heads turned. Hey, Jimmy, and 10 guys turned their heads. Some of the dinners, I don't tell people in advance what the common factor is, because there's always a common factor. Okay. One was guys with military experience. One was guys that had lived overseas or had international experience. But the one was just Jim, Jimmy, or James. It was a lot of That's fun. Great. And some of them, it's just your name. But right. the third, which I also am, is I never regarded it as a burden. I don't know about you, but I take after my dad in many respects, and I take after my grandfather in many respects. Sure. I don't know if you had that same experience. So it's a... There's, there's yeah, no, it's definitely almost like a you know compliment, like you said, especially a lot of my attributes uh, and a lot of my interests and whatnot, obviously came from my father and my grandfather as well. So yeah, I don't look at it as a burden. I think it's cool. Like you said, there's not that many people with a third at the end. You got to live up to it though. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Dad's That's still right. around. I don't know about yours. My yeah, my dad's still, still around too. Yep. So I'm lucky enough to have him around for sure. The hobby's just in fuego. So a lot of right. opportunities to make money, but each uh, person needs to have their niche. I right. basically felt like I got into a niche, but then the niche got bigger. But you've got to have some distinctive of why somebody wants to do business with you and your approach. So. Sure. Yep. And that's, I guess, where I was trying to get your you know opinion on things like that as far as how to make yourself unique in the hobby when there's so many people kind of coming at it. But No, being unique is not always great because if you're so right. unique that people are not asking for that service, you need to figure out what's missing, what's not being done that should be done, or something's being done that I can do better. better. People used to tell me, well, doesn't it upset you that I have a, back 30, 40 years ago, well, 40, 30 years ago, let's say, you got all these competitors that are doing price guides. And you know, some of them, I think, are ripping you off. And I said, well, it's, uh, you get competitors. If you don't have competitors, that's a red flag. If you're the only sure. one doing something. So a lot of restaurants and shoe stores, if you draw people to the category, then I always felt we're we were going to get our share, and so maybe for you, you have your niche, and you're going to get your share, and you build on that share. Quick summary Good. of our background, whatnot. We started about a year and a half ago, full time, I guess, full bore into this. You know, we hit it at the right time. As obviously, as far as prices were down a little bit there, first when the pandemic started, we got into there, and we've been able to stay profitable this whole time. Let me stop you. Sure, been able to stay profitable. In the greatest year in the history of the hobby. Exactly. That's why I, I didn't want to say that as a braggadocious, because right now you can pretty much buy anything and yeah. and it's going to obviously 
2X or 3X by the time you, you go to sell it. But yeah, as far as that end, we've done you know pretty well. What we primarily do is we buy and sell um, slabs. We don't do you know really any breaks or anything like that. We stick to graded mostly. And then, like I said, we buy, resell. We have certain price points that we know where our target price is on. That's where our bread and butter has been made. We're starting to look more so into possibly getting more into the content realm where we're starting to be able to create a little bit more value as far as being helpful when people have questions. We want to be that place to go when people are discovering or searching for answers that are going to actually help them, not answers that are going to lead them to buy a product that I may have, where I feel like a lot of times it's almost biased information when people get some information where I want it to be genuine information that when I first got into it, that's what I was looking for as far as being um, able to put like your trust in getting a good, serious answer about something without all the fluff. So that's what we're looking to maybe shift towards as far as we thought about doing the break once a week to engage the community a little bit on our Instagram page. We have had some requests like that. Instagram is our main platform. We have about 18,000 followers so far. It's a pretty active page. Our engagements does pretty well there. Again, we've started to expand. So we're on Twitter now. We don't do much on there, but we're on Twitter, we're on TikTok, we're on some of those other social platforms. But Instagram is our main platform. So as far as how we make our money at the end of the day, we buy and sell slabs. Obviously, if it's good graded stuff, we'll buy good graded raw stuff, send it out for, for grading and then resell it when it comes back, obviously, for the profit. So that's where you know we are. All right. Now, our biggest thing is, do we just continue to, to can get better at what we're doing or do we expand a little bit? And how do we make our name in the hobby is, I guess, our next question there. Is your buying yeah. and selling, is it all in your own controlled ecosystem pretty much through your Instagram or whatever, or your website? Correct. Or yes, correct. Selling on other platforms or buying on other platforms or? Primarily, it's Instagram right now, just because we've got a, a decent amount size platform there. We do obviously search eBay constantly where we're looking at cards on there. We don't sell much on eBay just because we haven't really had the need to. Maybe obviously if we start doing larger quantity, maybe in lower value slab, we may look at something like that. But right now we typically are like three, $400 plus on most of our slabs. So we have a good clientele built up on Instagram where we do sell a lot of that stuff quickly. I've talked to some of the people from my slabs and whatnot about possibly you know putting some upgraded stuff on there as far as an alternative to eBay. But right now it's primarily just Instagram as far as selling, buying. We will reach out, go on eBay, uh, try and obviously see if we can make deals off of eBay if we have them on our Instagram account. How much of your appeal is personality? It seems like you're a personality guy. Is that part of it? Because there's lots of choices for people to buy or sell their cards. Sure. Much of it is personality that you can communicate through your social presence and things like that, that people enjoy your, again, your world. They've got to come into Mm -hmm. your world. Sure. So is that part of it? I think so. I think now that we've established ourselves a little bit, we've been there, like I said, about 15 months on Instagram where... They're starting to see you know, we're genuine, we're for real, and that you know what I what they see is is truly what they get. And this is a passion of mine, obviously. So I think they sense that when they either talk to me on the phone or we video chat or we even just have a message via DM. I think they can pick up on that I'm not just trying to push a card. I I know what I'm talking about when it comes to maybe the athlete or maybe the grading company or whatever the card is. Like I said, it's not just I'm trying to push this so I can make money. I want them to get a, a full understanding of what they're buying and possibly get them ready to make their next move once they've purchased that card kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's definitely a big part of it for sure. What's your breakdown of your business in terms of modern versus vintage? What's the average age of the cards you're selling? Is it pretty new or what? I would say it's probably about 70% modern right now, 30% 
quote unquote vintage, but really anything not super ultra modern as they want to call it now, which is like your, your prism basketball and stuff like that. A lot of like your newer tops baseball. I, I do personally, I get into some of the, the cooler sets from you know, maybe the seventies, like the Wiener Landis set. I enjoy that, that 1979 set stuff like that I personally get into and I try and put more of that kind of stuff on my page to, to show some of these maybe younger people that there's more out there than just this prism ultra modern world, which um, I do have probably a good percentage of guys that follow me that are forties to fifties. So I, I definitely get some of that request as far as they want some of those hall of fame star rookies and some of maybe that more unique stuff rather than just seeing like a Zion prism or a Luca prism. But honestly, the bread and butter I would say is my prism stuff just because it's so liquid right now. There's so many people that want to buy it, which you know, and as far as price points, it's pretty set as far as I know if I could buy it for this, where it's going to get to as far as a ceiling. So it's, it's easiest for that point, but yeah, probably 70 to 30. You know, the liquidity and the velocity, you're a business guy. You can right. run a hobby, but you're still a <laughs> business. But sure. just the, you know, having retro in your name, it seems like you've got to kind of show that there's you know, some movement or opportunity. What we're seeing in the industry, I get asked this all the time, is that when something dips in value, then what do you do? Do you buy it or do you move to something else? There's always going to be this tension between modern cards and vintage cards. It's a healthy tension that yeah. appears to be undervalued or overvalued. They're always being compared back and forth. So if you're retro booming, are, are you investment advisory in a sense? We're not, I wouldn't say advisory yet, but we're getting to the point where we want to set something up. We're working on some brainstorming as far as this summer is coming out with possibly not advisory service, but like more of like an in-depth where people can ask their questions all the time where they can, but we want to keep the price down. We don't want it to be like a money grabbing thing, but we want it to be like a price point where people appreciate our time too, where they're not just constantly messaging us, wasting time, questions they can look up on Google and things like that. But we also want to be there where we can, if we need to have a, like a, once a month Zoom call, 30 minute Zoom call type thing where we can help people maybe organize their collection, maybe set them up. That's something we're aiming towards. Right now, I wouldn't consider us like giving advisory advice or anything like that. When people reach out, we do obviously help them, but that's what our intentions are to get to as well as to get more of that investment side. Yeah, I'm, I'm a longtime subscriber to Men's Health Magazine. Sure. And they, they always have this article in there, eat this, not that. Okay. <laughs> so right. something that supposedly tastes the same, but one is better for you and one is not. And you have that same opportunity. If somebody's on your Instagram and they, you, it's buy this, not that. Right. And that's somewhat disingenuous when it's buy this card of mine <laughs> instead of this other card of somebody else's. <laughs> right. Exactly. But, yep. but, but you're right. If I just publish my phone number and said, Hey, call me. You've got any questions about it. Should I buy this card or that card? And it depends on the price. It depends on the condition. It depends on all these different things. If you're giving advice, ideally you're saying, I've got cards for sale that are priced to sell. Pick out something you'd like. I'm hoping you do well with it, but I'm not operating a charity here. I'm, right. I'm yes. buying it X and I'm selling for a little bit more than X. Sure. And when you go to sell, you may sell for more, you may sell for less, but I'm picking out good stuff. No, that's a good point too. Yeah, that's a good point where it's, and I try and portray that when people ask, I don't, I really don't buy anything that's junk. If I don't see it being like something, because when I, my, the goal is obviously like when I sell it to somebody, I don't want to see the card go down. Obviously I'd like to see that card continue to go up ideally in a perfect world. So then you know, obviously they come back to you. That's but your business, right? Exactly. right? Personality in the world. If you're, if you're <laughs> right. pricing it too aggressively and then there's not opportunity for them to have some upside, then right. you're going to have short-term success. But I have learned, this is not a theorem or anything, but I've realized <laughs> when I look back at the deals I've done and, and what I do at card shows now, 
I am more inclined to buy from people I like. The prices are not that much different a lot of times. And you can find, unless it's something really rare, you can find it more than one place. So sure. I'm, I'm camping out at a table of somebody that I think, or I'm going to go to a card show, a card shop or a deal with somebody that I think I, I, I like the way they do business. Mm-hmm. Surely you that must be one of your differentiators. That they've yes. got lots of choices. Why are they choosing to come to y'all? And by the way, you keep saying we. You've got a partner or you've got a team. I do. Yeah, I have one business partner, Whitney Reed. He's currently, he he does have obviously a full-time job besides this. He's vice president of BPI Nutrition and Wellness. So he helps me along with some most of the quote-unquote business decisions. I use him as far as I ask a lot of my day-to-day business questions where I do more of like the actual card decisions as far as what to buy and whatnot. But he he's quote-unquote a business partner right now. He, he tells you how much money you made. Basically, yeah. He he leaves all that the the buying and selling I set up to me, but he at the end of the day is much better as far as partnerships go, as far as branding. He's already been through that realm. So I, I just like to have him too, especially he's just great wealth and knowledge. So I, I like keeping him obviously around. He's a great guy. And he's doing this not to help me out, but he's definitely spending his time in other areas. So I definitely appreciate it. You're a fellow Jimmy the third, as I am, and I, but I've noticed, and this is probably true of everybody, but sure. you have a uh, commercial brand. And retro booming, but then you have your own personal brand. For me, I had that too. Yet my corporate brand kind of dominated for for many decades. Sure. Now I'm trying to be back to like a regular guy, straddle that people know you under your name, under your personal brand, as opposed to, to retro booming. Is that? Is there tension there or is that just just a normal course of business? There isn't really, I guess, any you know tension as of now. You know, I've thought about obviously building like my own personal brand as well as far as with my name and being someone, I wouldn't obviously I'm not a pioneer now, but as far as being into it early a couple of years ago, there's a lot of people that know me for being one of the early large buyers of a lot of the modern basketball and stuff like that when you're able to buy raw John, Lucas and Zions for under a hundred bucks. Being able to buy those, submit those and get those back in a reasonable time, that was awesome. Being able to capitalize on that profit. We got lucky, I guess, and blessed a little bit as far as just getting into things at the right time. So that definitely helped. 